it is my turn to synopse this week, and we do not have a game or a schoolyard pick this week, so just the movie review, and then we'll get out of your hair. All right, sound good? We'll be we'll be in and out, no time flat. Of course, in the history of this podcast, every time I've said that something would be quick, it usually takes two hours, so mm-hmm. that might not bode well for for the length of this review, but we'll just see. Only time will tell. Um, so the movie we're reviewing this week is called A Quiet Place Part Two. It is, of course, the sequel to the 2018 surprise smash hit, A Quiet Place, written and directed by John Krasinski. As I said earlier, um, if you listen to the last part, John Krasinski directed and wrote this one as well, and also was in it. I don't know if people knew that. I did not. I, I like, somehow did not know that there were, like, I didn't, I, I avoided all trailers. Like, I had no idea Killian Murphy was in this movie. I had no idea John Krasinski was coming back for this movie. So there's lots going on there. General premise for this movie is that it picks up right after the events of A Quiet Place Part 1. All of the movie picks up after that, with the exception of one long opening scene, which picks up on day one hmm. of, of the incident, when, the, yes. when these supersonic hearing beasts come into play, which is a really interesting scene, and I'm sure we'll talk lots about it. Um, but the rest of the movie takes place after the events of A Quiet Place 1, which, of course saw um, our protagonist, Lee Abbott, John Krasinski, mm-hmm. pass away, sacrifice himself um, for his family to, to the Great Beasts. And so that's sort of where we're at. The, the, so at the end of A Quiet Place 1, they kind of pick up on the fact that, um, what's her character's name? Millicent Simmons, her... Is it Rebecca? No, no. I pro- Reagan. They never say that. I, I was going to say, do they... <laughs> Do they ever say her name? I don't think they ever say her name. I don't know that they do. Anyway, at the end of the first one, they pick up on the fact that her hearing device that she uses, because she is deaf, uh, that frequency that it puts out is like killer to the monsters. And so the new plan is to find some way to use that to their advantage. So in the early going, she's like using an amplifier, but then what ultimately ends up being the plot of the, the movie is that their goal is to broadcast this over the radio and uh, hopefully eliminate a good chunk of the monsters so that life mm-hmm. can return to normal. So that's that's basically the premise. Runtime is an hour and 30 minutes, real short and sweet, uh, like scary movies sometimes are. And that's about it. Anything I left out, Kirk? No, it's it's wonderful. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the character names here. And so John Krasinski plays Lee. Emily Blunt plays Evelyn. Millicent plays Reagan. Noah Jupe, Marcus. I never knew any of that. <laughs> I knew Lee. I knew Lee because I think I think uh, Emily Blunt's character, Evelyn, who I'm just now learning that, she says it in this movie and she also says it in the first movie. Yeah. But I, I don't know about the rest of it. I, that's all news to me. It, it honestly is. I, I, I'm just, Why I'm even just name blown. them at that point? The one thing that I love, and again, like you said, this is not. This is going to be so quick uh, that <laughs> we'll be out of here in like two minutes. Is that looking at their names written down? We have Lee and we have Evelyn. A vague part of my memory is thinking that he does call her Eve at some point. Eve, yeah, sure. And sure. when you put, you ready for this? When you put their names together, mm-hmm. Lee and Eve. Leave. leave. Wow. It's crazy. What about, what about think, Marcus and Reagan? Marcus um, Regmar. Regmar. Um, uh, also, I'm glad I didn't say this out loud because I was looking at the first letter because I'm like, okay, leave. That's got to be on purpose. So then let's, I was looking at it and say, oh, 
what if the first letter spells something every time? So then we've got L E R M. And I was going to say learn, Lerm. but that is incorrect. <laughs> it's Lerm. Lerm. You were going to say learn. Learn, Ooh. like learn, like learn, learn how to survive. What's the baby's they, name? Oh, gosh. I have no I don't idea. know. I don't know. We, we don't need to get into that. But. It's also Lee. Lermal. It's <laughs> a so Lermal. This is really, I'm try, having trouble unscrambling that, that one. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll figure out. It probably or has lemur. Some sort of clue. Lemur, if you will. <laughs> uh, yes. Good. All good points, Kirk. So let's talk about A Quiet Place Part 2. Let's start as we always do with our acting superlatives. The first one goes to our best actor in the movie, and this is called The Oscar Goes To. The best actor in this movie for me is none other than Miss Emily Blunt. I um, find myself increasingly in awe of her of her talents. I think she does a great job in these movies. I think that um, the character build from the first movie to the second one was just gradual enough because it obviously picks up right after. But her in the opening scene of this movie, like I said, which takes place in the past, she didn't play the same character. She... she uh, she was way more in her elements and it was mm-hmm. interesting to see that. And, and I loved that, that coming out in her performance and, and seeing um, all of that. I think, I don't know. It must be, it must be incredible to be directed by your spouse because, yeah. and, and I don't really want to like, I, I don't know. I got to be careful how I say this. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be careful. But she positively glows in these movies. She has got the sweaty post-apocalyptic aesthetic down. And I have to think that's because her husband is behind the camera being like, all right, this is the right lighting. Like, mm-hmm. He knows his wife and he's like, this is how she needs to look. And she, uh, it's great. It's a great look. It really is. It is true because, y- you know, you would be, Someone might be angry, right? Uh, if if your wife was lit that well by another director, you'd be like, "What the heck <laughs> was that like, guy What's doing?" Going on Hold on, you know. Part in one scene, we we see uh, Killian Murphy actually put his hand over Emily Blunt's mouth, and I'm like, "Dude, I don't know how how he didn't jump across the camera and punch him." I know, I know he scripted <laughs> That's my it, wife, and, and choreographed it. But you're absolutely right. There's something you, you see them uh, in a much different way because you know like all of their truths, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. As their spouse. So everything you're saying is is exactly right. To be able to put the absolute best performance and best option, best take on there, it's it's a duo that you can't you can't break. That's awesome. I know. It's it's just next level. And I think that, that I think that, that comes out in her acting performance too. I just really feel like they both have an understanding of what her peak is and mm-hmm. like what yes. an honest performance for her looks like. So yeah, getting the best take, getting everything Right. And I think her just knowing that this is a passion project for both of them, you know, being a couple, they both share ambitions. And this is no doubt one of them because they're in this together. And so I think that that just that all comes out. I think the fact that it's like a passion project, I feel like this is her best performances and it's not dialogue heavy, but it doesn't have to be to be to give a great um, acting performance. And I feel like she's just absolutely stellar in both of these movies. So I, I, I tip my cap to Miss Emily Blunt, who I thought was just, just excellent. Beautiful choice. I would have said if we had reviewed, uh, the, a quiet place, the OG, the original, I would have said it goes to her in that one, hands down without, without Mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. Um, so I applaud you giving it to her in the second one. There, there is a depth between, um, just, 
showing who she was before this and how she maintained that level of self throughout, uh, but then added about added survival and, you know, went to those, those primal uh, instincts in us to say, I'm going to take care of my, my son, my daughter, my, uh, my husband, my other son, rest in peace. And now my new son. Right. So it's, it's crazy. I, I have to say with all of that, this was a very difficult choice, mm-hmm. but I, I leaned towards uh, Millicent Simmons, uh, mm-hmm. who plays apparently her character's name is Reagan in this. <laughs> um, I knew her her first name was Millicent, so in my head I was like, "Wow, Millicent's doing a really good job. This is great." <laughs> right. She she really did a, a a wonderful job in the first movie, and I, don't, I hate to I hate to keep comparing them, but it is nice to see to compare growth between movies too. I mean, that just comes with it because everyone you know they love to mar- mark up like what was better the first one or the second one uh, when yep. you start getting a trilogy going on but this one will not be i mean you can't nope. talk about a sequel without talking about its predecessor i feel thank like that's you. just that's part for the course thank you for digging me out of my hole millicent uh is is an actually uh is an actual deaf actress uh, but that shouldn't define her because what you see in this film is that she can tell a story she can uh dig into like the deepest of uh, of, of emotional uh, expression regardless uh, of, of who she is and, and what situation she's in. I cannot wait to see more of, of this young woman uh, in, in other films because there's a, one scene in particular that is so inspiring where Killian Murphy is ready to give up. Uh, they've been attacked. They're, they're under, uh, he wants to leave and she says, no, I'm not, I'm not going. You can't take me back to my mom. Um, I have to do this. I know that I'm here for this. He said, you can't do this. Nothing can do it. And just the way she inspires him uh, is just heartbreaking in a way. Uh, because you see he his self-doubt and just so powerful because she says, I don't care. I'm going to do this. I know I can do this. And I think you can too. So you can come with me and fulfill your destiny or, or not. That's fine. I'm going to go take care of what I need to take care of. The nuances that she puts into that scene mm-hmm. uh, are, are, just, are just so unique, uh, so mature for her for any level uh age of actor uh i just that's what won it over when we saw when we saw that specific scene in the movie i knew it had to go to her uh so millicent simmons love it i love the pick yeah the i don't know if it's the same scene but where she where where she tells um where she tells killian murphy's i don't know any of these characters I don't know if they just don't mention it or what. But What's his name? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think they do mention his name, but it's totally flown out of my that, head. That's what we should have had a quiz. That should have been the game. <laughs> name the character. Oh, I would have gone 0 for name. 5, I think. Um, <laughs> Emmett. His name is Emmett, as it's Emmett. Yeah, that's right. They do say that. They do say Emmett. I'm so sorry. Yes. Anyway, she tells him, you weren't able to do enough for your family. Now you have a chance to do it. Now you have a chance to help. That's the, the scene. That she, that's yeah, the yeah, scene. Yeah. The way she delivers that is like, ooh, right in the heart. Mm-hmm. And the way that it develops his character is like his character actually actually develops more in that scene than hers, but she she is the vehicle for that development yes. with her incredible acting. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, okay, scene stealer. Who was the uh, you know the surprise, the showstopper uh, acting performance that that uh, you know sort sort of stole the scenes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Killian Murphy. 
Killian yeah. Murphy for me. I have been following this guy's career for a long time. Uh, Red Eye is one of the first movies I can remember seeing him in. He sort of got some play in in that like weird thriller genre for a while. Still does apparently because he's mm-hmm. in a Quiet Place Part Two. Um, he was Scarecrow in the Dark Knight trilogy from Chris Nolan, and he was also Tommy Shelby in, or still is Tommy Shelby in Peaky Blinders. I guess Maybe. I don't know. I sort of fell off that show, but um, that's what he's best known for. This guy is just outrageously underrated as an actor. I think he's one of the best around. I will, I will watch anything that he's in. Um, what makes him a stellar, stellar casting choice for this movie is that his number one attribute as an actor is that he has the ability to tell a story with his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, better than most people. I mean, the dude can just really express with his eyes and tell a story and in a movie where there are so many scenes where you have to be quiet, or even he has plenty of scenes where his face is covered by like a by like a by mask. You know, like a neck gaiter or a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, it's perfect because he just wins with that stuff. And his character has an outrageously good arc. We'll talk more about it. I think his character's arc is is stellar and, and a great addition to this to this film. But it wouldn't be half as successful without him in the role, I don't think, because he brought so much. He really did. He brought so much to it. And, and I was, at every turn, I was blown away by him and his ability to just come into this role and play a really complex character and have whole scenes where he is the star of the show. I thought he was thought he was excellent. 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 Mr. Killian Murphy is also my scene stealer. Yeah, uh, buddy. It's just that simple. There there is a moment uh, you talked about his his character arc uh, there's a moment this more so goes towards uh, john krasinski's uh, liking uh, as a director but there is a, a mise-en-scene moment a mise-en-scene moment a mise-en-scene if you haven't t- heard us talk about mise-en-scene <laughs> it's uh it's the placement of the object in the film and then why it's why it's where it's at right so in this case it is killian murphy he is the object and it's uh it it, it he gets He's on. He's on the island. They get the escape right to the island, or they run for their lives rather. Uh, and they the it turns around him because he's willing to accept. Oh my goodness, there is a safe haven throughout all of this craziness, and we got here. And she was right. The the kid, Millicent Reagan, whatever she was right. And so we see this full pan as he's re- looking out at the at the ocean. Uh, it comes around him literally literally he turns his life around as the camera goes around him i loved Mm -hmm. it i loved it it was perfect john krasinski it is a home run thank you for being a just a a diligent studious man uh of of film and acting and writing Uh, so what killian murphy does uh, throughout the rest of the film he struggles up until that and then he knows he knows exactly what he wants to do in every moment that he's trying every moment every choice he makes is to get millicent to that radio station so she can broadcast that frequency and blow these things up uh these aliens of 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 sorts so it, it really is wonderful the way he shifts much like emily blunt like you said she has a shift in character killian does as well so i love him Great choice. Love it. Um, we'll talk pee your pants meter too. I forgot to mention that oh, at, yeah. the, at the outset. We'll talk pee your pants meter. This is technically a scary movie thriller, whatever. So we'll go mm-hmm. scale of one to pee your pants. We'll talk about that at the end. Yes. Um, that way you guys know if you need to wear a diaper when you go see this movie in theaters. <laughs> I think that's important information <laughs> to have. Popcorn for breakfast sponsored by <laughs> Depends. That's right. That's right. Hey, you never know. You got to be prepared. Um, 
All right, let's move to Showstopper. This is the thing that really, this is the piece of the movie that's like, whoa, amazing. This is the takeaway. For me, when you talk about horror, you talk about thriller movies, they only go as far in terms of effect as their set pieces. And what I mean when I say that is, in a horror movie, you can't keep the tension the entire time, right? You have to, you have to bring it down so that people can catch their breath so that when you bring it back up, it's like people's hearts are pounding out of their chest. That's, that's what you have to do from a story perspective. That's what you have to do from a style perspective. This movie is short, like most, most horror movies are, because of that exact reason, that ability to keep the tension throughout. Most horror movies are a little bit shorter in runtime. And so there's one big giant set piece in this movie where Noah Jupe's character is left in the bunker with the baby and um, has to keep the baby alive. Uh, the Emily Blunt character is out trying to get oxygen tanks for the baby because they have to keep the baby in a box so that it won't be heard. So they have to put, you know, oxygen mask on it. And Killian Murphy and um, Millicent Simmons are on this dock trying to get on a boat and they're, they're like in this sketchy situation. The, that set piece was wonderfully edited, executed, acted, all of it. Just perfect. They build it up real slow. They start showing long scenes of each person and the situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. As this is going on, it's getting dark for everybody, which is signifying yes. that they're all. this is all happening simultaneously. And the scenes keep getting shorter and shorter as the tension builds. And man, what an effect. What an effect that it, it has. And when it when that's when that set piece client uh, reaches reaches the climax point, your heart is beating out of your chest. It's insane, and there's all this stuff happening so fast. It feels like everybody's gonna die in the movie at one time, and then it resolves in a way that you couldn't have predicted, and in a way that is just so masterfully done. I I was blown away. I wanted to stand up and clap, but I didn't want to because it was back to being quiet again, and people would have been like, "That's weird." Uh, but it was seriously. It was so well done, it, 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 and it really yeah. was the big moment in the film. And I thought that they, I thought they crushed it from an execution standpoint. Really loved it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. My uh, my showstopper goes into the intelligence and the trusting of the audience. Um, we have lots of movies where they beat you over the head, like "Look at this, look at that," point you in this direction. You need to be subtly pointing people in those directions, and things as simple as getting into that big tank uh, and having a stopwatch that they never explain mm-hmm. why they have a stopwatch. Well, of course, it's so that they can time their oxygen before they pass out, right? They never say it out loud. They never say it out loud and they never have to. So the script writing there and the the choice to omit that uh, is brilliant because I'm not dumb. I can see what's in front of me as long as you let me see it. And he let us see it, and we we could feel that. And with that, it, it was in in a way, it was more ambiguous, even because it wasn't hitting you over the head. Because then you had to figure it out. A, it was brought to you several times, and then you're like, "Is that what he's timing? Like uh, when they do, are when they get there, are they timing the the aliens?" And then you see Noah do be like, "This is it. This is it. He was running out of air." 
uh, and all the pieces conform together in your head in a more creative way mm -hmm. than you could, could ever have put it together in words. So the, the, the intelligence and the trust that John Krasinski had for his audience throughout the entire film, that was just one small example. Uh, I just had that has to be called out for Mr. John Krasinski and creative team. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that's that scene is a great example. But it just like you said, it goes throughout the entire film. Like they even around that same piece, they show that there's a rag on the door, and you're like, "Yes, what's that for? Is it for the sound, or is it so that the door doesn't close?" And then later, you're like, "Oh, it's so the door doesn't lock while they're lock. inside of it." You know, you like you figure it out. Um, yeah, which is it's important. I think it's I, I honestly. Um, as someone who doesn't direct films, I would say that uh, as someone who absolutely loves film, that trusting your audience is the number one thing you have to do. You have mm -hmm. to. Um, and obviously with anything, you have to do it in moderation. There are sometimes yes. you got to bring people along for the journey because not everybody can see your full vision. But this had the perfect balance. I think it's a great call. Let's move into director's shoes and talk about the things that uh, <clears throat> we would have changed or some notes that we have for Mr. Krasinski Man, I got to say, the narrative here was so close to being perfect. Really, I mean that, perfect. I really thought the narrative for this film was really close to being top-notch. But he didn't have the courage to kill Emmett. He didn't have the courage to kill Killian Murphy's character, which had to be done, in my opinion. It, it was, they built the arc to that exact way. So his arc is, okay, kids died, what day one uh, of everything going down his mm -hmm. kids died right yeah. um then his wife died 11 weeks ago he couldn't save either of them this turned him into someone who was cynical you know someone who lived with tons of regret someone who was broken just completely broken and and, and that leads him to turn away emily blunt and family when they arrive um before he is you know persuaded by her by emily blunt to go save his daughter uh, to go save her daughter and um he goes through this incredible growth of like realizing okay i have a chance to make amends i have a chance to do something to be useful to 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 get all this regret off my back to help other people because i failed to help my family and uh you know i left so many people hanging and he does it he completes the mission he goes with millicent he's 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 completed the mission and he's a guy with no other ties to this earth he's got nothing and yet he gets hit by the monster, but he doesn't mm -hmm. die. And I'm like, ah, you have to kill him. Finish <laughs> the story. Give us the slow-mo scene. Give us the emotion. I wanted it. I wanted yep. the emotion. I wanted the tears streaming down my face. I feel like it would have delivered, and I feel like it was the only way to wrap his arc. Now, the caveat, which is a small one, is that this is an ongoing series. Right. So there could be more for our character later, and that's why I can't go too hard here, but I really feel like for my money, I'm killing him. <laughs> I'm killing yeah. him. I'm killing him <laughs> to wrap up the arc and really Take tell this down. beautiful story because I, I think it would have been I think it would have been a great theatrical moment. Yeah, I love I love what you you said, you know, uh you, you kept saying regret and stuff. It reminds me of, of Inception, that line. I had to pull it up so I can get it right. Like, don't you want to take a leap of faith or become an old man filled with regret waiting to die alone? Mm -hmm. And and he was. He was filled with regret and waiting to die alone. He was just waiting for those things to get through to him, he, as hot, try as he might. But 
yeah, it's true. Uh, there really was a perfect moment. Uh, several, actually, he had several opportunities to sacrifice himself, <laughs> and and none of them, none of them were taken. So, um, not that I want to ever see Killian Murphy die, uh, even when he's a bad guy. I, I just want to see him succeed in life. But there, there really was uh, lots, lots of argument to just off him, um, mm-hmm. including my showstopper. Right, like <laughs> turn yes. his life around, done. Uh, oh. The moment when he tells her to dive, I had forgotten all about that. So that happened good. at the beginning of the movie. I'm like, yes, it was so good, so well constructed. Uh, would have been beautiful. Would have been beautiful, John, to kill Killian Murphy. My director's shoes is there is a which is often my director's shoes, but it's so important, especially in a movie that's an hour and thirty six minutes. I believe is the total runtime on this. Is that you cannot have anything that is unintentional um, or drag out or or just just linger unless that is part of the storytelling. And let me tell you, in Quiet Place, the original, there is no, there are no moments of of error. There are no moments of boredom or, or of ambiguity. Uh, there is some ambiguity here in this film. Uh, it lasts ten minutes. But man, in a movie that where you're building tension, your whole, your whole goal is to pop that bubble, just like you talked about, uh, Cam, in Crescendo and Decrescendoing, the stress of the of the audience uh, to get them to that catharsis. Uh, there's about 10 minutes, maybe, maybe 12, 15. I should have turned my stopwatch on, but it just, <laughs> it leaves you sitting there saying, why, why are we still talking about this? You know, I, I actually like kind of spaced out and that's when I caught myself like this, this is, this is weird. It comes about three fourths into the movie. Um, a, a lot of it is happening um, on, on their journey. Uh, now and it's, I can't even remember it because it, it's, it's like out of my head. When I watch it back, I know I'm going to be like this, this is where it starts and this is where it ends. I think Emily Blunt is walking with Killian somewhere um, or, Oh, it's it's when she's it's when she's discovering that her family is, is dispersed and that Millicent is not with uh, right. Noah Jupe. It's yep. that whole sequence. It takes so long to get there, and there are lots of moments in there where we get uh, that trust uh, expressed to us, right? Like hiding in the water. He can't see, he can't hear me, right? But they're like six shots uh, in a row of the of the sprinkler head it's like yeah you're gonna bust that go ahead and bust it uh there are just it just lingers there and it doesn't need to linger it wasn't suspense building it was kind of annoying uh and there's there's some back and forth there where where emily blunt looks great uh in in what she's conveying in her stress of oh my goodness i've lost all of my kids now uh i get that could have been condensed uh, it really could have so yep. that part bothered me a lot i'm sorry john sorry yeah no it's a good call out it's a good call out um all right i think we've i think we've talked about most of what we wanted to talk about in the movie let's go to final thoughts and scores um i'm going to give this movie a really favorable score i I thought that it was really well done i thought it was about it it was it was close to being as good of a sequel as it could have been um and and for the most part it was it really was well executed man I, i i i leave this movie just with overcome with uh, just respect for John Krasinski yeah. and what he's mm-hmm. doing. This movie, he was dropping a lot of nuggets. And, and this guy this guy is a real man of cinema, to be honest with you. He's, he's given nods to Spielberg all over the place. There, there are pretty um, 
overt Jaws references. There's camera work that references um, Jurassic Park, you know, where you kind of like see the thing in the background before the character does and it's coming towards them. I mean, this was all over the place. The boat scenes were totally Jaws, the way that he the way that he deals with his creature is very similar to how Spielberg was. I mean, it was just, mm-hmm. it was all over the place and it's really, it's really cool to see all those, you, you know, you're watching this movie and you're seeing all these different directors tricks that you've seen from the greats throughout the years. You're seeing it in his directing style and it creates something altogether new, which is exactly what you want as someone who loves film. You want to see things change and evolve and people to make it part of their identity. And, and John Krasinski is doing all of that. I think the opening scene to this movie that's set on day one of the incident um, was ambitious and incredible. I thought they really pulled it off. And I have to say that um, with a scary movie, once you've seen the monster, particularly if it's a monster movie and it's a monster of extraterrestrial or just like something that doesn't really resemble much of what we see on Earth, it can be hard to maintain the fear <laughs> you know like once mm-hmm. you see it it's like oh it's just that that's that that's outrageously fake and i'm not scared of that but he came up with a lot of really creative ways to to build that tension to keep you to keep you afraid to keep you on the edge of your seat and ready mm-hmm. for thrills um so the execution was really spot on i think there are a few things from a narrative perspective like i mentioned that could be tightened up but the acting the vision the execution it's all really well done i'm giving it an 8.9 out of 10 kernels. Yes, sir. It's a beautiful score. It has a beautiful score. Um, all, all those things. All those things. I want to watch this movie back. I want to watch the first one back, which I had seen um, less than 24 hours before we went to the theater. Uh, <laughs> the first one I'd watched uh, for the first time, I should say, before we saw the second one. Uh, it'd be really cool to, to just talk with uh, John Krasinski and hear about all the different um, nuances that were planned uh, and then and the nuances of the film that just came to light that just kind of fit once they were actually filming. Uh, you're exactly right how he how he fits in all of these inspired directors and it's it's quite a feat. It really, really is. I, I'm just awestruck by by what he's accomplished. I mean, your boy started out as an intern on Conan O'Brien <laughs> years and years and years ago, left there. Three years later, he's on the number one television show in America and one of the num- one of the shows that will last, that will survive the test of time, The Office, Jim Halpert. John Krasinski, I am baffled by your intelligence and I, I don't know what's coming next and I can't wait to see it. I was giving that face because 8.9 was also my score for this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a while since our, our uh, scores have matched and specifically to the decimal wow. 8.9. It's uh, pretty, pretty freaking cool. It tells you, uh, sometimes it tells you that how exact and how precise uh, a film can be. Um, otherwise it talks to subjectivity and preference, but this one, 8.9 out of kernels, hands down, fantastic movie. Go and see this in the theater. Yeah. I mean, it was really, it was tiptoeing that line into the nine territory. It was. And that's rarefied air. That's like, that's like the, those are the movies that are reserved for like ones that end up on your shelf and mm-hmm. well, even there, I mean, I got some sixes and sevens and threes on my shelf, let's be mm-hmm. honest, but yeah. um, that's like the Pixar movies almost always end up in the nines because you can't find bad things to say about them. And so you're like, well, it's a nine. <laughs> um, 
but really those are the those are the really really good movies and this was right there and it is great i, I always say that if it's a, if it's eight and above that's a great film mm-hmm. um and i i really believe that in this case so 8.9s across the board you gotta love it and go check out a quiet place it's only in theaters guys i know it's been a while since you've heard that you can't stream it anywhere you have to go see it in theaters and it's the preferred experience anyway let's be honest it it uh Unless some guy's got his ringtone on in front of you, which is which was the case in our showing. <laughs> but other we're gonna than that, find you. We're gonna find you. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great experience. One of one of our favorites to enjoy film with your community. It's a That's it's a right. beautiful thing. A beautiful and thing. you get to see me in particular if you ever go to a scary movie. <laughs> or like a thriller cam can attest to this i don't know what you're doing next you know we sat right next to each other i don't know if you jump as hard as i jump in those jump scare (laughs) moments but i mean my body elevates every time that that it gets me and it's pretty it's pretty comical i can imagine because i i i realize it after the fact i'm like "Ah, god got me it definitely got me i knew it was coming you know yep uh, does, does your body react that way, Cam? Like, it does. Uh, it, it it's not always ultra violent, but I do. I, I'm a I've fallen victim to many a jump scare. Yeah, and we should talk pee your pants meter right now before okay. we go any further, because I'm interested to get your thoughts on a scale of <laughs> one to pee your pants, which I guess pee your pants would be a ten in this instance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how scary was this movie for you? It's difficult. I I expected it to be scarier. Yes. Uh, the tension was really strong, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like, I didn't, when we got out of the theater, I wasn't looking over my shoulder, right? Sure. Like that's even as an adult, I feel like there are movies that do that to me. Uh, like Joker, like Joker, even though I love Ooh. that movie, I'm like, just someone <laughs> hard to sleep uh, at night after that one. Gotta say. Your pants on quiet place too. I should have prepared for this. Uh, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go, ha- uh, no, no, I'm going to go with the six. I'm going to go with six because man, there were some good moments, some good moments where I was uh, bouncing out of my chair. Yeah, I think, and I just talked about how they were able to maintain the tension, even though you've seen the monster, which is true, but I still think having seen the monster and seen a lot of it, it's hard to stay scared of the monster itself. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what you're left with is primarily jump scares. They do they do things beyond like creatively. They do things beyond just jump scares. I will yes. say, but it's largely jump scares. Um, and and just personally, like monsters don't scare me. Like what scares mm-hmm. me is like the paranormal or like serial killers. Like the I'm devil. More, inc- more inclined to be scared of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a con the conjuring is is is. A movie that would be on high on the pee your pants meter for yes. me, or like Paranormal Activity, like those movies always shook me up. The Exorcism, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for this, it for me it was mostly jump scares, and so I'm giving it a four because um, mm-hmm. again, I di- I didn't feel super scared, but some of those jump scares were still high quality, and it is still very tense. It's just not like. Yeah soul crushingly scary you know yeah I, and i like how you say that you know, obviously jump scares are easy to to rate uh to communicate the scariness of a movie but you're right in that opening scene when we're back on day one and millicent and john krasinski uh, they just need to rewrite that where they just say just the actors names i think they just need to go they in just, yeah, and just, yeah, just change the audio 
when they're driving away uh, and and uh, oh actually it's not even that scene it's when Emily Blunt has the kids in her car and she speeds forward to the toward the bus and she has to back that car up and then you see that hand of that alien just slowly in complete silence just slime itself out of there man horrifying absolutely horrifying you already are going you're going you're going full force forward and then full force backward and then as you're going backward there's this weird thing and ooh it is uncomfortable and yeah. it was so good it was so good there are many moments like that yeah they they do a great job with the whole like you know what's coming so it's like it's not entirely a jump scare it's like building it up they're like here's what's about to happen here's what's about to happen and it's still still going to scare the crap out of you when it does and they do a good job yeah like that. when she's uh when Millicent's in that is it a train is that yeah, what it's a train looks like? car it's a train car yeah and she's reaching for I can't even remember because the scare was so good the she's first reached aid first kit. aid kit yeah. and she <laughs> and she gets it and I'm like dude there's you're something you're like that door didn't open all the way there's something behind the door <laughs> it's going to fall out there. it's going to scare me and still it's like Gah! and it does and it's so good <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she's sitting there she's catching her breath nothing she leans forward she leans back all of a sudden what's there that wasn't there before the monster. That freaking monster man yep. it's all so good it's very crafty so moderate risk of pants peeing i would say for those of you <laughs> who tend to be a little bit more sensitive on the peeing of the pants this is you know be be aware but it's not something if you are if you're sure of yourself you, you don't need to pack the diapers you'll be all mm-hmm. right you'll be all right yes yes all right, that's our review of A Quiet Place Part 2, a fun one, one that ended in somehow in Kirk and I having the exact same score, cool. which is uh, which is pretty shocking. But that was a fun one. Next week, we'll be reviewing In the Heights, which, like we said, drops this Thursday on HBO Max and in theaters. So encourage you to check it out so you can be a part of our review next week. Um, it should be a fun one. Other things happening. We've got Loki dropping in. You know, just a few hours as he, as he checks his watch. Just a few hours we do. here. Um, so we'll be checking that out. Spilled Popcorn will be back for you. It'll be on YouTube. I don't know when it'll be on YouTube. In fact, confession time, Kirk. This is embarrassing. I just realized that the final episode of the, of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Spilled Popcorn is not on YouTube. I never put it up. <laughs> Released it as a podcast. <laughs> But never put up the video because I went on vacation that week. And I'm like, wow, what a horrible mistake. I mean, Um, uh, you should have just put it up there and I would have been like, man, not not a lot of views on that I know, but it it triggers a Discord (laughs) announcement. (laughs) So everybody on the Discord is going to know and be like, wow, just now getting around to that? Great job, loser. Um, which is fair. I am a loser for that, but no, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because <laughs> what were you doing? You were going on a beautiful vacation with your wife. That's fair. Thanks that, you sh- that you enjoyed. I needed, I needed, I needed that. But anyway, I'll get that posted at some point, but basically what's going to happen is they're doing Wednesday drops, which throws off my whole vibe. I don't yes. like it. Okay. I'm mad about it, but we're, we're moving on. We're, we're pushing forward. We've written a letter already and yes. no responses, but whatever. No big deal. We'll, we'll keep, we'll persist. Basically, Kirk and I will watch it. We will record the uh, spilled popcorn episode probably before you guys hear it in podcast form. So it'll likely it will likely drop on YouTube before it drops on um, podcast providers, and it'll drop on podcast providers on Monday. So it'll go Monday will be spilled popcorn with the Loki recap. 
Wednesday will be what's popping as it has been the last few weeks. And then Friday will be movie review Friday as it has been. So we're just mm-hmm. sliding spilled popcorn back in on Mondays. So if you want to hear our recaps, you can do it on YouTube. You can do it on the podcast on Mondays. All right. Um, other things happening. We're on TikTok. We're on TikTok, guys. Yes. At popcorn for breakfast. It's not popcorn the number four. It's actually popcorn for breakfast, like our name spelled out. You can. Uh, <clears throat> you I was can, drawing. Oh, that looks nice. It looks really nice. Kirk, Kirk haphazardly drew the TikTok logo there. I don't even know if that's the logo. It's just the words TikTok, but it looks good. Yes, this uh, is their their upcoming logo. I am actually their new graphic designer. You're submitting it. It looks great. I mean, yes. I can see why you got the job. But we are on TikTok, like all the Zennials. We're we're on there. We're we're pretending to be younger than we are. And uh, we've already got some content on there. So if you if you're on the TikToks and if you spend your nights like me diving down the endless void of TikTok videos until 2 a.m. Um, do that and follow us. It'll be great. Yes. We'd, lo- we'd love to have you. We'll have all kinds of different and new content on there for you guys to enjoy. What else? I think that's it. That's all. That's all we got. So very excited about Loki. Very excited about In the Heights. Very excited to experience both of those things with you guys. But until that time, we are going to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as our original music, which you're hearing right now. It's by the band Rhetoric. Check them out on Spotify and Apple Music. We will see you guys next week. Talk to you then.